Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor over at NinerNoise.com. And back with me um, from his uh, little mini hiatus has been off gallivanting throughout the world. Still still doing a little bit of that. Um, Akshaz, David Willa. Akshaz, good to have you back, man. We missed you on the uh, the draft preview, but it's good to, to have you back. How you doing, man? You know, I'm doing good, Robert. Excited to be back. So sad that I couldn't make it to the draft preview, but, you know, Jeremy is incredible. He's the draft whiz, so I think yeah, I'm down a little bit so i'm glad he could shine <laughs> i know we missed out our, our on our first ever tri-continental uh podcast that would have been that would have been fun though but nonetheless um yeah he he was really he the the number of things that he knew um and i didn't like i gave him a little prep i was like you know we're going to talk about this generally but then occasionally a question would just sort of pop in my head and i'd be like so what do you think about this and he would just kind of run with it i was like you know a lot of things about a lot of things so <laughs> um i i'm definitely interested in in his uh perspective on on some of this too to see what he thinks about how the how the draft went but um we're he's not here with us today so we are going to uh to do our best to to kind of get through this conversation um obviously the nfl draft happened uh what was it two weeks ago last week last week last weekend um time flies when you're having fun um we're we're recording here on well, it's it's May fifth for me. Is it still May fifth for you? Is it still daytime hours? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We are still in May fifth, luckily. All right, cool. Well, a happy Cinco de Mayo to you from wherever <laughs> you might be. Um, <laughs> we're uh, so we're about I guess about a week out from the draft, um, which is nice because we've it's allowed things to settle. We've got all the draft picks in. We know who the undrafted free agents that are coming in are. Um, we know some some other things that have that have happened um, roster move wise and, and that sort of thing. And we're we're starting to see um, essentially what the 90 man roster is going to look like as we head into offseason programs. The Niners just had, um, I, I guess, like a I don't, I don't know what, what what do they call these things that they do over the May? I guess they're just are they kind of just non mandatory workout things. I'm not really sure all these all these different items that they they get to this is not technically the the otas are later right this is just a kind of like a workout um hangout get to know everybody kind of thing they just got done i know that but they have um mini rookie mini camp next weekend i believe and then there's not really anything going on till till training till otas and training camp in the summertime so looking forward to seeing that um did you did you uh did you get all the are you getting all the the content out there um (laughs) where you are from from Santa Clara, checking out uh, all the, the the cool pictures of people running around in shorts and stuff. You know what? I I am not able to get much of the content, and the reason is, so normally in the U.S., my morning routine is wake up like as I'm getting ready. I just search up like Niners, and I just read through everything that basically pops up first page and you guys should do that as well because then you'll see some of our articles hopefully and mm-hmm. we'll get great analysis from the non-noise team but where i'm at right now there's like this i first i have to like get to the english articles because my internet <laughs> is in the language of the country i'm at and then like it's just like espn like team profiles and it takes a long time to get to any like actual content so I've been, mm. I go, I go digging for stuff. When I'm, <laughs> I've, I've been less in the loop for this right. draft, just like the 49ers were not in the first two rounds. So, yeah. you know. oh, well, well, well said. Um, yeah, they, uh, they kind of set out the first couple of days. I think obviously that was to be expected having trading traded away their first round picks um, since a couple, two years ago um, and then got rid of their second round pick 
and one of their and their actual third round pick for this year um, with the Christian McCaffrey trade. Um, it's it's kind of exciting if you've uh, if you check out the uh, these like way too early 2024 mock drafts. Guess who's back in the first round, baby? Um, <laughs> so that's kind of exciting. <laughs> but ignoring the first round mock draft for basically two years now it's like okay that's cool um but they're 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 back in it so we'll see how that goes um but that's that's a way on down the line thing and not not uh likely to be a uh, um an issue at this point so um what we're going to do today is kind of talk briefly about the 49ers rookie class both the draft itself um so we'll look at the i think nine players they ended up taking which is actually a lot more just in a general sense than I sort of expected them to take. They had 11 picks, but I was like, come on, there's not a lot of spots left on this team. Like, are they really going to draft, a, you know, nine, 10 players? And as it turns out, they were. Um, we'll see how that shakes out as we get through through training camp and all that stuff. But it was kind of interesting. And then I think the number of um, undrafted free agents is up to 12 now. They released the initial list of 11 um, and then they they did add another name that we'll get into here a little bit, but so we'll just talk about the draft first and then we'll talk about the undrafted guys and kind of see what we think about this rookie class. And, uh, um, if we want to hone in on any particular players, we can, uh, we can do that. So how's that sound? Let's jump right in. All right, let's do it. Okay. So as we noted, the Niners did not have a first or second round pick and their first pick was scheduled for number 99 overall. Which is a which was a compensatory pick. Um, they ended up trading up um, to uh, number 87. Um, I think they had to give up one of those third round compensatory picks and then like one of their day three picks to to get up from 99 to 87. And with that pick, they took um, Jair Brown, a safety out of Penn State. That was the number 87 overall pick in the third round. From there, they ended up taking uh, their nine. 99th pick overall uh, kicker Jake Moody out of Michigan um, two picks later with number 101 overall again another compensatory t- pick uh, Cameron Latu a tight end out of Alabama um, then they didn't have anything in round four and then we get to round five um, pick 155 Darrell Darrell Luter Jr. out of a cornerback out of South Alabama and then later in the fifth round 173 overall uh, Robert Beal Jr., a defensive lineman, um, I think a, primarily a defensive end, edge rusher type of guy, um, with pick 173, Robert Beal Jr. out of Georgia. Um, then with pick one or 216 in sixth round, they took linebacker D. Winters out of TCU. Um, with pick 247 in the seventh round, they took Braden Willis, a tight end out of Oklahoma. That's right, doubled up on the tight ends. And then with their last pick in the draft, I believe. Nope. Sorry. Second to last pick. They took wide receiver Ronnie Bell out of Michigan, 253 overall. And then their last pick of this draft was pick 255, where they took linebacker Jalen Graham out of Purdue. So that's that's a lot of names. <laughs> um, hopefully um, you have it there in front of you. So, that, but if if not, we can we can uh, can pinpoint a couple of things. But I, I guess first of all. Let's talk about if there are just sort of generally speaking, what do you think of this draft class in a, in a general sense that anything jump out at you? And that was like a major surprise other than the, maybe the obvious that the that you're like, OK, this is the thing we need to talk about. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to leave the obvious for a little bit because <laughs> we're going to absolutely talk about the selection at 99 overall. But I think. The overall impression I have of this class, and little promo as always, please, if you want to find out more about my thoughts, go to NinerNoise.com because this is my latest article on the matter. Is I just I think it's a it's the correct like play for a team that's probably a top five roster at worst in the NFL, quarterback position notwithstanding. Like there's a lot of future picks here and players who have the capacity to be great if possible, or if like you unlock this part of their development or that part. And I mean, you're not really going to find starters past round three with great regularity. So players like Darrell Luther Jr., who has like terrific size and length and speed, the cornerback position 
that's a great pick to basically get in your system, have him push a couple guys potentially. You know, if all things go well, he can slot in potentially and push Diamondo and Lenore. And Robert Beal Jr., who might be the quickest edge rusher they have right now, get him in basically the Chris Korosek factory, let him manufacture, hone his skills, and, you know, come next year you have a really solid edge rusher opposite Bosa. I like that. I like that sentiment. I think that's the right way to attack this roster, especially because as we get closer and closer to Trey Lance's rookie deal coming up and the Niners making a decision on him and Brock Purdy's rookie deal coming up and just the rest of this roster, Bosa's getting his big deal soon. Ayuk has to get paid soon, et cetera, et cetera. Like these are the type of hard decisions you have to make as an organization you either pay everyone now and kind of deal with the consequences later, as like the Rams did or the Saints did, or you rebuild and reload and you let good players go thinking that you can restock essentially in the draft. And if you can, if any of these guys hit, that's such a huge deal. For their third round selections, besides the <laughs> obvious, which again, I'm purposefully saying as little as possible because. That's going right. to be a whole... <laughs> it's its own conversation, right? For sure. I think Jair Brown is a sensible pick. I think there's talks that Steve Wilkes will move into three safety sets at times. So you get a guy who can contribute on the field rookie year. And I think, you know, this is the type of thing you want to do if you have a guy like Deshaun Gibson back there. Is get a young guy, have him push Gibson a little bit. If Brown wins the job outright. That's great. That's what you want. If he doesn't, that's why Gibson's in play. His 40-yard dash is a bit of a concern. And Matt Barrows has a great article on The Athletic, which is behind the paywall, obviously. But if you can get to it, you should. Where, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna Google his name because otherwise I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> it's the former 49ers GM. And I can't, Scott. Scott Mick, McClellan. Thank you. Scott McLowan yeah. basically goes through the Niners picks with Matt. Yeah. And his like point on Brown is that he thinks Brown's foot speed is bad. Then Kyle Posey at Niners Nation makes a great point about that Brown seems to have the right instincts. The point is, he's a lot like Hufanga insofar as you don't really know if he's going to wow you as an athlete per se, but he's definitely built of the right stuff and seems very, very talented. I think that's the guy you want back there. And Cameron Latu, as a secondary tight end, is one of those guys who you think can make somewhat of an impact this year. But that's really a next-year pick because he barely played mm-hmm. tight end at Alabama. So I I like the Brown pick. I'm a little iffy on Latu as a pick just because I think you want a guy, given the way the roster is right now, who's going to come in and give you quality T2 snaps immediately and i don't know if he's the guy for that but beyond that i think they're like smart reasonable selections to build depth for a roster that really is like pretty much set at every starter position yeah i mean i think that's i think that's right we were i think we were talking about that in the lead up to the draft um i think jeremy and i talked about that a little bit when you're good one of the things that you have to do with your draft is think a little bit about now, but also think a lot about next year. Like they did that with the Aaron Banks pick. Um, theoretically, that was what Trey Lance's selection was supposed to be. Um, you know, it was, it wasn't for that the year they picked him because they were going to, they were planning on bringing you up slowly, but it was for, you know, hopefully 10, not 10 years down the line. We'll see how that works out. Um, but they, they've tended to do that, especially over the last couple of years when they've moved from being really bad when they, when, when Lynch and Shanahan got here to kind of moving in a contention window starting in 2019, they've really been very careful about making sure that their selections are not necessarily about, can this guy step in immediately? Um, but can this be a guy that will be on our team for a long period of time? And they get a lot of, you know, a lot of flack for that. Like the, the Aaron Banks pick looked really horrible in the moment when it, when he didn't contribute as a second round pick in his rookie year. 
but now everybody's kind of like, oh, okay, we get it. Like <laughs> you developed him and now he's a, a really solid starting guard in the NFL. So everybody's no, nobody's talking about it anymore. Same kind of thing, as you said, with Jair Brown, like maybe he plays, he probably has a special teams role on this team, you know, in 2023. Um, but I think this is a pick for let Deshaun Gibson kind of work with him and groom him. Cause I don't, I don't get the impression at this point that Deshaun Gibson's like, Oh, you know, this is my job. You can't come in and take it. He wasn't even sure if he was going to come back this year. So you sort of got the impression the Niners probably communicated to him like, hey, we're going to draft somebody. who We eventually want to take over as the starter, hopefully. And and if you can come in and, and kind of be in the room and help these guys out, that'd be great. But um, yeah, I think otherwise this is going to be a hard team for these rookies to crack, even the even draft picks, especially undrafted guys, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I mean, outside of the the third round guys and and maybe you could make a case for, you know, somebody like 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 Luter Jr. or Robert Beal or somebody like that. But when you get later into the into the, the picks there in the sixth, seventh rounders, like where do these guys go? I mean, certainly there's a chance that Braden Willis can beat out Ross Dwelly and Charlie Warner and you end up with two rookie tight ends behind George Kittle. Possibly. I don't know. Is that what they want? I don't know. But, um, you know, there's an, an opportunity that D winners could come in and say, hey, I'm going to take over the, the third linebacker spot or the fourth linebacker spot. And they run with, you know, Warner and Al Shire and maybe Oren Burks and D winners. I don't know what that's what that's going to look like. But it, I mean, it's certainly going to be interesting uh, what they do with that. But there is, of course, one the funny thing is, is that, and we'll just get into this because we might as well just kick the door open, right? There's one player on this team that is pretty much all but guaranteed a starting job, and that is the pick that we have been alluding to. Um, the second pick um, of the draft for the 49ers, number 99 overall, kicker Jake Moody out of Michigan. Um, so let's do it. <laughs> let, let, let's get into it. Let's Let's do the thing. So I saw that John Lynch said that they drafted Moody at 99 because he wasn't going to fall to them in the fifth round. And because they heard that teams were thinking about trading up to select Moody before the Niners. All that said, I don't care. I mean, (laughs) if someone wants to take a kicker, it's like pick 91, let them. I just, I don't understand. I, so, all right. <laughs> Three parts of me to this. Oh, yeah, basic, yeah. Fo- basic football fan, like, just pure, like, goes with, oh, my God, what is my team doing? Or, wow, that's incredible. <clears throat> I hate this pick so much. Just because in the third round, there's so many talented players you can get. The third round is a – oh, excuse me. It's a place where – like, you can get starters. You can get day one starters or core day one players. And to spend it on a kicker is seems like crazy to me. Now, we are talking about how good the Niners are. And the two places they struggled with a lot last year were on special teams, were kickoffs and field goals. And I think with that in mind, there's a very small part of me that understands the idea of Robbie Gold isn't coming back. Right. And we need a guy with a stronger leg anyway. Let's get the best kicker in college, put him back there, and let's not worry about it anymore. We don't really have positions of need, so we can, like, splurge a little bit. This is a luxury pick. Mm -hmm. In a vacuum, I think that's a fine decision, even though I think Jake Moody's statistics himself do not tend really well to adding the element of kicking that, you know, that the 49ers were missing Robbie Gold, which is like high accuracy on long distance kicks. But the final point of just like sheer value, I think the 49ers do a great job of kind of like bending the idea of positional value really well. (laughs) They pay players who are traditionally not like supposed to get high end salaries because these players do really unique things. George Kittle blocks as well as most linemen and catches as well as most receivers, 
So they gave him a lot of money because he allows them to, to do unique things in their offense. Same thing with Christian McCaffrey. Same thing with Debo Samuel. And on defense, same thing with Fred Warner. And, like, now we have Javon Hargrave. And, like, Javon Hargrave. My bad. Javon, yeah. Javon, <laughs> Javon. It's very confusing. Javon Hargrave. Like, these are luxury selections in a way, but these players change the calculus of, like, your team. But no one – you can't tell me outside of Justin Tucker that a kicker in the NFL is so uniquely, like, important. Justin Tucker is, like, incredible. He might go down as the greatest kicker of all time. He's the one kicker who I could understand being, like, we will give him a little extra money. We will make sure he's on our team because the guy can kick from like 60 yards and just like he's perfect. That's the type of guy where you're like, okay, kickers is a priority. But Jake Moody has to – he doesn't He doesn't have to be as good as Robbie Gold. He has to be far and away like a top three kicker in the NFL plus be one of the best like kickoff specialists plus add all the distance the 49ers need for this pick to even be remotely defensible because this is a pick where you cannot, like, when it comes to the draft, the way I view it is that most of the time you should value process over results. Like, sometimes you miss on a player, and that's true. But if you're, like, attacking the draft in the right way, getting, like, high-value picks and, like, taking advantage of, like, players who drop, getting good value for your picks, focusing on places that you think, like, the draft is strong at, sometimes you just miss on an evaluation. That's fine, but you'll be right more often than you're wrong. But there is no amount of, like, results that can justify the process of drafting a kicker in the third round. <laughs> or he, he needs to be a 49er for, like, 15-plus years. And he needs to be incredible for day one. Otherwise, this was an absolutely absurd pick, especially because, like you mentioned, Robert, not all these seventh-round picks are going to make the roster. And instead of taking Cameron Latu, if you package two sevenths and 99, move up and take Darnell Washington Jr., the tight end from Georgia, as opposed to taking Moody and then taking Latu, now you probably have a more, like, ready now receiving threat for you plus another third round pick to maybe take a Blake Freeland who's an offensive tackle who's very high regarded or Keely Ringo a corner from Georgia who slipped all the way to the fourth round like the draft works when you are able to take advantage of like talent that's sliding and places of value in the draft. And when you waste a third round pick on a kicker, you're just, you're basically, you're forcing yourself in the box. So yeah, I was. Very, <laughs> I was Did you have an opinion on that? I didn't even know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't feel quite as strongly about it. Cause I feel like if he is a, consistent and reliable kicker for as you say 10 15 years then maybe people will kind of it'll be like oh okay well whatever um and uh, the other thing is they do this every year um i feel like this is a not obviously draft a kicker but it feels like every year there's one or two draft picks where you have to go what were, what was the thought process here like and they i mean clearly they think about it because they always have an explanation for for it you talked about they they knew that the Moody wasn't going to make it through the fourth round and and yada yada, um, and so there's there's rationale whether or not it's rationale that makes sense or that we like is another thing altogether, right? Um, but you know, I generally I'm with you. I think it's it's is there a massive difference between Jake Moody and say one of the other kickers that didn't get drafted at all or that might have been a seventh round draft pick or might have been an undrafted guy. I don't know. I'm, I think it's it's hard to split hairs with kickers. Right? Some of it is about opportunity and some of it is about situation and, and that sort of thing. So there must be something that they saw that that made them jump at him specifically, I guess. I don't know. I, don't, I know nothing about kicking, so I can't really say. Um, but like I said, this is this is something that I, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, OK, like I'm just 
you go into the draft and you like sort of brace yourself when they get into into day three or day end of day two into day three where you're just like okay they're gonna pick somebody here that's gonna make me go okay like what's going on here um now they have the benefit as i was was alluding to earlier of not having to hit on all these draft picks they also tend to do really well in the undrafted the undrafted guys area but as far as the kicker goes I, i i think i don't know i get it because like this is the only position that they needed, right? This is literally the only position that they knew the guy that they drafted was going to walk in and probably be the starter barring some sort of catastrophic event. Everybody else that they drafted, everybody else that they brought in, it's probably not going to be the case, right? And they, they probably, they have the opportunity to do so to maybe supplant somebody in front of them. But Jake Moody's the only guy who's walking in like, okay, well, you're the kicker more than likely, unless they, unless St. Gonzalez beats him out or something. And that would be truly true terrifying and, and not good at all but um i don't know i'm i'm disappointed like because it felt early i i wanted them i wanted moody to be the guy but the third round is just like okay well there we go um but and, and i agree with your with your thought about like making sure that we're getting value at, at, the, at the right sp- places but as i said i'm i'm i don't know about you and i'm starting to to just kind of be like, all right, well, this is what they do. They they tend to overvalue guys, and so that thought, like the fact that they give a lot of money to a guy like, to the guys that you mentioned, you didn't even talk about Kyle Juszczyk and how much money they pay him um, relative to teams that don't have fullbacks at all or other teams that do have fullbacks. That's just, this is just kind of something that they do, and it's a luxury that they have because of the, the quarterback situation that they have where they're not paying a, a guy, you know, 35, 40, 50 million dollars a year and so they that tends to let them do things a little bit differently and kind of get away with it. You know what I mean? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, I do. I just think, like, I under, I agree with the idea that, like, they have the luxury with it. And I think, I just, I don't know. I just can't really imagine a world where Jake Moody justifies this third round pick. I mean, so let's, from 2019 <laughs> on, we have Jalen Hurd, then Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. I forgot who they took in 2020. I don't think it was Trey Sermon, but. It, well, they did Sermon and then. Every time. So anyway. I think Avery so, Thomas was a third. I think you're right. No, I don't remember. <laughs> third round is the third round is their blind spot. Let's just say that. <laughs> we have um, what's it called? Tyrion. Davis oh, the, J- the Jalen Hurd thing was a nice was a good theory. It just didn't. That yeah. wasn't their fault necessarily. What's it called? Tyron Davis Price, even Joe oh, Williams Price, in the yeah. fourth, right? In the mm-hmm. fourth, in the first draft, like all these guys, all of these players, who, with the exception of Ty Davis Price, who we don't really know, but given the fact that Jordan Mason seems to have like displaced him on the depth chart, and now Christian McCaffrey's here, that it's already looking like, like there's just a ceiling to how much he can help this team. All of those players were better selections than than Moody. Just on the like <laughs> sheer basis of like what can a good running back give you? What can a good receiver give you? And what can like a good kicker relative to other players? And it's just like I would rather they've taken another running back than Really? <laughs> I think so. like I agree. I think going into this draft, if they were going to take a kicker, I think Moody was the guy. And I'm glad that they got the guy. But they, like, basically throw in a nothing burger flyer for Zane Gonzalez. And you think for a second, wow, they really get it. No more Robbie Gold. Instead, you get cheap at kicker, get a guy who can probably be really good, and figure it out on the fly. 
I think people in the final thing before we like move on to not talking <laughs> about kids. I think the reason why this annoys me a little more than like beyond all the other reasons I said is because the 49ers have a top two tight end in the league, a top three, and this is like the most conservative estimates I can give for each player, a top three running back in the league, like the best left tackle in the league, Two top 30 receivers, maybe? I don't know. I think both of both Ayuk and Samuel are really highly regarded now. And one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. With Brock Purdy, if he's healthy, who played like one of the best quarterbacks the NFL had seen last year. And they're spending this much capital on a kicker they should be focusing more on finding ways to be extra aggressive. Like drafting a kicker or like spending as much as they did on Robbie gold is a multi like faceted issue because it's not just the fact that you're spending a lot on a position that is like at its core, not as important as other ones. You're also basically you're creating the mindset of not being as aggressive because now you have this really good kicker, and now you focus and lean on him more. And this is the team that with this defense and this offense could be uber aggressive and be completely fine. And I mean, in the NFC Championship game before Brock Purdy's elbow gave out and things like went turned to garbage and pain and suffering, not to bring up bad memories, <laughs> one of the big things the Eagles did was they were aggressive on fourth downs. Throughout the game, their first touchdown came on a fourth down conversion, which obviously did it, though. (laughs) The point is (laughs) they were aggressive enough to be in a position to get a call go their way. And I think we've seen snippets of Shanahan get very aggressive, ironically, usually with Trey Lance, which whole thing we could get into about Shanahan aggressiveness. But right. I just don't I don't like the idea of like having a kicker be such a like critical part of how you're going to call a game because that you, it seems like they're just limiting their own chances. And I understand the idea of I have one of the best like defenses in the NFL. If I get three points, I'll probably win. But like I think at this point it is like incredibly and increasingly obvious that that's the wrong way to view it. The right way to view it is I have one of the best defenses in the NFL. If I go for it on fourth down, I probably won't give anything up. So I just, I think there's just a bad mindset this team has about special teams. Like I just think they think about special teams the wrong way. And it's one of the few things that I think the 49ers genuinely struggle in is aggressiveness. And I think we've seen it not necessarily explicitly directly come back to haunt them, but I certainly think the idea that they don't push the metal, push the pedal to the metal. Pedal to the metal, yeah. (laughs) Oh, words. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's part of the problem they've had with getting over this proverbial hump, so to speak. So I don't know. It's, I think I have just have a larger issue with the selection. Yeah. And I I think you're, I think you're right about that. That's just, that's a, that is a, that is a larger issue. And I don't, that's not a, that's not an anti Jake Moody thing. And and to be clear, I don't think either of us are anti Jake Moody. We're just like, could we have figured out a different way to get Jake Moody Probably not. I mean, in in that logical way, I understand. Like, if Jake Moody was the guy that you wanted, there was there another way for the 49ers to get him? More than likely not. Like, unless they were willing to sell a farm. And I think people would have lost their minds just as much about that, too, right? If you trade three more draft picks to get move up in the back into the fourth round and draft a kicker, too, I think that would have been crazy as well. Um, so, but I, I agree with you. I think we could talk a long, a long time about the aggressiveness of the organization and, and their stance on that. But we, we, we will not, that will be another thing for another time. Um, all right. So let's talk about the undrafted free agent class. As I said, they initially 
um, signed 11 guys. Uh, this was as of May 1st. And then um, a couple days later, they ended up bringing in a, a 12th undrafted guy, which is which is interesting. Um, so I'll just go through the list again. And if any names jump out at you as guys that you you're like, oh, that, let's talk about him. We can do that. So um, we have Ronald A. Watts, a um, running back out of Texas, El Paso. We have Jack Coletto, a fullback, technically listed as a fullback. Apparently, he's a fullback, defense or linebacker, quarterback. Done a, he's done a little bit of everything um, out of Oregon State. Uh, Joey Fisher, an offensive lineman out of Shepard, which is a school I did not know existed until just a few days ago. Uh, Deshaun Jamison, a cornerback out of Texas. Uh, Kalon Laybourne, a running back out of Marshall. Corey Luciano, an offensive lineman out of Washington. Jim Manning, an offensive lineman out of Hawaii. Uh, Mariano Sori Marin, a linebacker out of Minnesota. Spencer Wagey, I think is how you say that, a defensive lineman out of North Dakota State. Shay Wyatt, a wide receiver out of Tulane. Avery Young, a safety out of Rutgers. That was the original group. And then they brought in on Wednesday, I think it was, um, a wide receiver uh, most recently from East Carolina, although he went um, to Toledo as well. Uh, he transferred to TCU uh, in 2019. Um, or sorry, in 2021. Um, his name is Isaiah Winstead. He's a 6'4", 213-pound wide receiver who uh, had 18, 88 receptions for 1,085 yards and six touchdowns uh, for East Carolina in 2022. So there's interesting things there. So, again, let's talk, you know, about, generally speaking, what we think about um, about the uh, about the, the undrafted class. Anything stand out to you there? Any names in particular? I think broad strokes first. This is the 49ers usually find a guy in the undrafted class, which is a testament to their work that they can find someone. But I think this is the hardest year for an undrafted guy to make the roster because this process that you talked about with Jeremy and that I mentioned that we mentioned today as well is of drafting for the future means that guys who we as fans are like, okay, I don't really know what this guy's doing is coming back better this year. So these undrafted rookies have to not only compete with the drafted rookies and the like already established players, you have these like second round, second year undrafted players who they kept on the practice squad. That's like Jason Pillar, Quantra's Knight, who are now going to likely have gotten much better staying in the system and now get another shot at it. So I, I would be surprised if more than one, if even one undrafted player makes the roster. I think a lot of this is just getting guys in camp to kind of see how they play. And if you like him, you keep him on the practice squad and figure it out from there. The one guy who I think is interesting is Jack Coletto, simply because <laughs> he's a fullback linebacker, tight end, quarterback. Like he is the equivalent of Taysom Hill, although Scott We don't we don't talk about him here. No, it's kidding. <laughs> this this is true. In in honor of former podcast host who I think rightfully despises Taysom the Taysom Hill experience. But it wasn't even our team. I don't understand it, but anyway. No. <laughs> I think the thing about Coletto is that he's not a great athlete by like NFL standards. And I think that matters because Taysom Hill works in some ways. Taysom Hill is such a crazy, okay. Not to talk too much about Taysom Hill, but he had like two season ending injuries at BYU. It was always a question of, could he stay healthy? Then by Mm -hmm. the time he gets to the NFL, like his like weird hybrid role is a byproduct of him just not really being able to like make it as a quarterback per se because of a lot of things. And you just take advantage of a guy who's really big and really strong and really fast. And you're like, okay, let's see what we can do here. I think Coletto is an interesting player because he gives mad genius Kyle Shanahan a lot of different ways to 
kind of play around with things, but I can't really see much out of it per se, just because Kyle Juszczyk is still on this roster and Coletto, that's going to be a hard like sell to get Coletto on the 53 with Juszczyk already there. And then Jason Poe, undrafted agent last year, plays some fullback because he's like six foot, five ten, but like <laughs> three hundred thirty pounds and like a battering ram. Like yeah. the man is like there's already there's just so much competition. But I think if there's any name here that I'm interested in, it would be Paletto. Yeah. Um speaking of Jason Poe, uh Peter uh, Panacey had him uh, on a special bonus episode of the podcast last week. So if you didn't get a chance to check that out, go ahead and uh, check that out. And you can listen to Jason chat with Peter for a little bit. Um, yeah, the Jack Leto thing is very interesting to me as well, simply because if he ends up on the practice squad, think of all the things that they're going to use him for. Be like, all right, you're going to be the quarterback this week. Okay, but now you're going to be this guy. And like he's going to be able to serve a lot of purposes. I'm interested in two names. Um, the first is Joey Fisher out of Shepard. Um, mostly because I just saw some videos of him and he just looked like he, I mean, granted he went to Shepard. I think it's like a D three school or something like that. Um, so he was a big man among mostly people that were much smaller than, and less physically gifted than him, but he, he looks like he's got some mauler in him. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. Obviously he's given where he's coming from. He's probably just like Jason Poe or somebody like that. Cause he was coming out of Mercer. Um, a situation where he stands a really good chance to make the practice squad at the end of all this, especially if he has a good training camp. Um, and then that's a guy you build up. You get him a little bit stronger. You get him working on on some skills. And um, they have a really good offensive line staff with the 49ers. So I think that there's a good opportunity there for him to kind of slide into a position where, you know, a couple of years ago, we didn't think of like Colton McKivitz as like a starting offensive line option. But he worked his way through the ranks and, you know, worked on the practice squad, got through that. And now it looks like that's the direction they're going to go. And so that's like you were saying, the opportunity to build um, and and grow and, you know, grasp these these chances when they come is, is interesting. The other one that stands out to me, and again, this is mostly like Twitter hype videos kind of thing, is their last uh, undrafted free agent that they brought in. That's Isaiah Winstead. Um if you are interested, go go check out some some videos of this guy. Again, I, like I said, he's 6'4", 213, so he's a really large human being, um, and he moves quite quickly. Um, he's got some some good shimmy, gives some good shake to him. He could be an interesting guy um, as a sort of back end of the roster wide receiver. Now, obviously, there's a lot of names there, because but there's also some some openings right along the the wide receiver position. Um, and I think if there is some some place where a, a sort of out of the nowhere kind of guy could could come in and take a spot, because um, outside of Debo Samuel, outside of Brandon Ayuk, I suppose you could say somebody like Jawan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod are pretty well locked into the roster. But I don't think that's necessarily true, at least with Jennings. I, I don't know that they're going to be like, OK, you are guaranteed to be on this team, but I think he's going to have to to prove his worth. He had a little bit of a down year comparatively last year. And then Danny Gray's obviously got a lot of work to do to, to show his, his value after being a, a, a high draft pick last year. And then they drafted Ronnie Bell in the, in the seventh round or sixth round or whatever this year. So he's not guaranteed a roster spot for sure. He's the type of guy they're probably going to want to slip onto the practice squad if they can. Um, he, he looks like a Shanahan guy. We didn't, I know we didn't talk about him at all, but he's, he's got that, that sort of like get him the ball in space and let him run kind of thing. But um, <laughs> let's uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Isaiah Winstead, a very interesting kind of player. I don't know if you've you've gotten a chance to look at him, but if you do uh, have a moment, go and go and look up some of his tape. It's very interesting. I will take a look because I think wide receiver is a really interesting spot for the 49ers. You mentioned, obviously, Ayuk and Debo are very much locked in. Danny Gray went through the Shanahan treatment as all receivers who end up being <laughs> pretty good or getting cut due. And I think beyond that, McLeod will probably stay because of his contract and also because he was not bad at punt returns. And yeah. that was the one good thing about special teams. But I think for sure Jennings is 
a guy who they might be looking to kind of push not only with the addition of Chris Conley, but also just a 6'4", 213 guy who moves quickly. That sounds like a guy who's trying to fill the Juwan Jennings big slot role. So it's going to be... I was was just going to say, it's going to be an interesting... (laughs) I just think they're doing a good job of like, you get guys in who you're pushing for very certain spots and, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you strike gold, sometimes you don't, but I don't know. It's a, it's a hard roster to break. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I think there's, um, you'll, you'll probably be seeing some, some 53 man roster projections here from, from the, from nine and here pretty soon. I think, and, and I did one just before the draft and I found that I was like, I don't know where, rookies are going to slide in now obviously i didn't know which rookies were going to come in where and obviously their draft position to a certain extent plays plays a role in how likely they are to make the roster so like right now i don't i feel like i had a a a slot open for a safety um a rookie safety and i think that's that's pretty pretty well (laughs) going to be set up right um if jay brown doesn't make the roster then we're then we're looking at something in second something in trouble right um and obviously I had, and I also, I was was under the impression that they were going to have a rookie kicker, kicker this year too. So, but other than that, there's not a lot of the, there's not a lot of places. You know, one of these tight ends probably makes the roster. You kind of hope it's that Latu proves his worth because he's the higher round pick. But you take whichever one is the most impactful. And there's not really a lot of places along the offensive line for any of these these undrafted offensive linemen to to take roles. Um, yeah, so there might be a slot or two, a slot or two for a tight end. Wide receiver might be interesting. I think the running backs room is in pretty good shape. Um, they obviously didn't draft or or bring in a uh, an undrafted uh, quarterback, although they did sign Brian Brian Allen. Is that the the guy from the Bengals? Brandon. Brandon Allen. Brandon Sorry, Allen. there's so many B Allen guys in the league. Yeah, Brandon Allen. Um, more than likely just a camp body because. You know, Brock Purdy can't throw a football yet. So um, there's that whole thing to think about. Uh, but other than that, I can't think of a place where it's like there's a wide open hole. Somebody come in and, and take it. Um, so it'll be hard for all the draft, all the draft picks outside of maybe the third rounders and and all these undrafted guys to make this roster. Yeah, it's going to be I think the draft always gets me excited for the season as I th- I think it does for everyone because you start thinking about the roster, but this is one of those teams like the 49ers are going to run it back, adding Javon Hargrave Mm -hmm. to the mix. And basically for the most part there, it's the same team trying to do everything. And you got to hope either Purdy is healthy or Lance is, has progressed or, Oh my God! Arnold yeah, is <laughs> is okay. Not to not to get away from the draft, but Matt Mayoko, I saw this really recently. Said mm-hmm. that he thinks Sam Darnold is one of the most, if not the most, talented throwers yeah. in the football the 49ers have had in their building. And yeah. sure, maybe Probably I'm not mean, wrong. Clearly. Something's not going right. If I I don't know. The point is, there there's so much. It's the same question. It is every year, and I think we're all tired of basically the discussion, which is just if they figure out who's their quarterback, this is like this is the team, and they just got to have that guy in there. So the draft doesn't answer that question because the answers are on the roster, but I think it's a good, I think the draft this year was a good reminder of just like how lucky in a way we are as fans to be fans of the 49ers right now, because it's just simply how good this team is. Now we're not that super lucky because the Eagles just like added Jordan Davis and Nolan Smith. Cause of course they did. So you know, there's always competition, and they're not the only good team, but this is a really talented roster when you're talking about third-round picks being 
maybe special teams players, definitely backups. There's just no way the draft can really upgrade the roster. Yeah. Um, and, and this is the last thing I'll, I'll say about it, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up for, for this one. The, the interesting thing to me about all of this, and this is draft-related, this is just roster-related, is the fact that in spite of not knowing who the quarterback is going to be and all that stuff, people still think this team can like compete for a Super Bowl, which is just wild to me and just a testament to the quality of, of all the other players in the building, like how good the roster is, how good the offense is, regardless of who the quarterback is and how good the, the, the offensive coaching staff is. Um, I think that's, that's just, it's crazy to me that they're still like a top five team in the NFL and everybody's like, yeah, but they don't have a quarterback. And it's like, we don't care. <laughs> the other four teams, like I just saw like a power ranking thing today and take with those as you will. And it's like chiefs, Eagles, no surprise there, right? Bengals, Buffalo, 49ers. And what do those other four teams all have in common? They all have, starting quarterbacks who are making a lot of money right now. Well, Joe Burrow will be. Um, and they, But they're entrenched starting quarterbacks who are going to be with those teams for, for years to come. And the 49ers are still like, well, we'll figure it out, I guess. It's, it's good. <laughs> and they're still up there, which is just crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's we, – we joked last year about – and just throughout the season about, oh, what's the question? Who's the starter? Wow, we're going to talk about the quarterback again. And, yeah, we're talking about the quarterback again. But it's just these the teams in the NFC West, Seahawks and Cardinals specifically, definitely got a lot better. But it's just it's the most interesting thing when you have a roster – with this much, like the championship window is right now. And yep. I mean, I don't know. It's just what, what more can you say than just like, I wish it was September minus the part that I don't really want to skip summer, but I wish it was, <laughs> I wish it was September insofar as it was football season. There you go. Well, as usual, you've, you've uh, capped us off on a, on a, on, a, on an excellent note, Akja. So um, good to have you back, man. Good to, uh, to to chat with you about this uh this draft class so um we'll we'll we'll, we'll keep pressing on we'll, we're getting into the 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 dull period here so it might be you know a little less frequent from us throughout the next couple of months but we'll we'll, we'll still be here checking in on on different things periodically so um until then thanks for listening to this episode of the niner noise podcast part of the fan-sided podcast network as always check out ninernoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and of course share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends so until next time let's sound the horn 49ers credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.